0: everybody welcome to another edition of the slumber party podcast i am your co-host amanda Jusen, founder and creator of baby's best sleep i'm here today with my bff lisa Ramrine. welcome lisa hi Thank you. Hi. Um, we. I have to be honest. We. Are, I am like not as prepared as I usually am because I usually uh, ask a question to my Instagram about what they want us to talk about. And then I forgot. And then, so I just asked and thankfully someone asked a question. Um, and so bless this person on Instagram. Um, and I think this is actually something, uh, you know, that comes up a lot and I kind of, I do really want to talk about it. Um, so anonymous person on Instagram says co-sleeping during the newborn stage. Why is this so frowned upon? Um, so I think this is a great opportunity to talk about, uh, a lot of the myths, a lot of the realities, and some of the risks involved in co-sleeping and why it has such a bad um, rap. So I at first, I, I want... Rap? Uh, there's so many... <laughs> I'm the backup singer.
1: <laughs>
0: rap, rap, rap. Oh my gosh. You know those TikToks that are out right now? Um, have you seen them of the people who like take background singers and they they're pretending to be the background singers and they do this like hand dance in the have you seen it i mean i've seen all the tiktoks honestly, okay so i'm sure i, have. I,
1: I live just go ahead and
0: tick i know and <laughs> my husband and i's it's so funny we were talking about this um i just got back from disney from florida that should be a whole other podcast um how to go to bed at eight thirty every night when you're forty. Um, go to Disney. That's how you do it. Yeah, you don't have um, a choice. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got insomnia? Take your whole family to Disney. <laughs> it will. <laughs> it'll figure That's that nice. out for you real quick. You don't even have a yep. like. Brad was like, "Want to watch your the life. show?" I'm like, <laughs> "Literally, literally." Um, okay, uh, I literally I had a existential conversation with Brad, being like. I'm getting really clear on insomnia. You know, are we just not as active enough? Like I am having no choice but to sleep. And are we not active? Are we not moving? Are we at our desk? And we simply have not burned off enough energy for the day. That's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a whole other podcast episode, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I was thinking about, you know, this topic in particular, about when, so today is my daughter's ninth birthday. Uh, nine years ago, today, she was born. And little hug was born. A little hug. Let me just you, a little hug. <laughs> so the, a funny story about that is we were really having trouble naming our first daughter. And I said, hey, Lisa, ask the boys, what do they think a good name is? And Henrik said, he made this little video, and he's like, I think we should name her Hug. And so we may have called her hug for a little while. It
1: was cute. Did she have a little hug? It still says hug birthday in my phone calendar for this for this day. Yeah. Oh. She's such a little monkey.
0: Okay. So she's born and I knew that babies didn't sleep because a hundred people told me. Um, but I guess I was surprised. Like I thought that they would wake frequently, but when I had, uh, Winnie, I had her in the morning, things were okay. And then I had to stay overnight. I had to stay one night. And I remember being like, okay, do, 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 you know, I'd rock her or I'd feed her. She'd fall asleep. It'd be like, great. I'd put her in the like, I don't know, plastic, Thing that they had for babies in the hospital. And I put her down and she'd be up immediately. And I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, you know, doing this over and over again. It's like one o'clock in the morning. And I remember a nurse coming in to check on me. And I was like, hey, does someone like, Take the baby at any point. (laughs) She's like, Mm -hmm. no, that's yours forever. I'm like, right, 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 okay. Um, Because you know, you watch a movie and someone takes your baby (laughs) and it goes into a room with other babies and like nurses look after them. I was like, waiting for like someone to come and take the baby for me. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Just so you know, that doesn't happen. Um, The movies are lies. Um, Yeah, so. They did all that. And so I'm doing all these things and she really wouldn't like sleep at all. And I remember holding her and kind of like dozing in the hospital bed. And then a nurse coming in and being like, that is so unsafe. You can't do that. That's the number one. And I was like, literally, there's no other way for her. She wants to be on me. I was just sitting. She was on my chest. I can't do anything about this. Thus beginning uh, you know, my foray into sleep. Now, the short story of that is I am not good at co-sleeping. So I was like open to it. I brought her home. I kicked my husband out of the bed. We have a king size bed. I was like, you go sleep over there. I made lots of space, no blankets, but I still like I couldn't shut my mind off about it. Um, And we couldn't really co-sleep. So I, I made a concerted effort to move Winnie off my body ever so slowly. I would head over to my TikTok. I have like a literal video showing you what I did over two weeks if you want to watch that. It's on my TikTok. <laughs> um, so when people ask a question, you know, why can't I sleep with my newborn? I swear, although that's not what we do at Baby's Best Sleep, I know exactly why you would want to do it. I know... Uh, like there's no options I also know that my kid had a, a relatively chilled temperament that allowed me to move her off my body over 2 weeks I know now I know 7 years doing this job working with literally thousands of clients hundreds of newborns that you don't really have an option sometimes I understand you so I'm I am with you so I'm going to talk on both sides here about why you would do it and why you really need to be thinking about safe sleep. And a disclaimer that I work in sleep, I cannot recommend anything to do that is not a part of the Canadian guidelines for safe sleep. So the Canadian Pediatric Association and the American Pediatric Association both say that co-sleeping is not safe and does contribute to SIDS when you get really into so i'm i'm telling you that because i think it is really important for you to understand your own risk level when you do that mm-hmm. i am not recommending that anyone is co-sleeping i also understand that everyone is making risk-based decisions every day including the decision to sleep train right so there's no risk-free situations but this is this is a part of the podcast where you know, someone said, I listened to Amanda Juicin's Amanda podcast and she told me to sleep train, that I would be like, I am telling you not to sleep train be or not to. <laughs> you can sleep dream. I'm not telling you to co-sleep. Do not co-sleep. Um, however, if you absolutely have to. Um, and uh you want to or you know it's for you um there are some things to consider and actually i think like we're probably my guess is we're going to see those guidelines soften from both countries pretty soon um okay so let's let's get down to brass tacks um Generally, what happens with co-sleeping, and we're still seeing, um, I don't have the exact source in front of me, and I hate when I don't, but I'll try to find it and link it in the notes, Um, but we are still seeing a considerable amount of unsafe sleeping situations leading to infant deaths. This is also why the American Academy of Pediatrics and, honestly, the entire United States government really pull back on any sleep assistive devices. These are things like baby sleep positioners, Um, baby swings, uh, anything that has the baby sitting upright, the snuggle knees, the swaddle knees, the, uh, what do you call it? The docketots. These are all considered unsafe sleep devices. And generally because they, you know, when you look at the deaths of babies and, you know, even one death is too much, we're looking at babies that are using these products for an extended period of time and not in the way that they were ever intended. Um, So, so there are really significant risks to using these products. Um, but then when you tell all these parents, okay, you can't use this, you can't use this, you can't do that, you can't go sleep, you can't do that, what ends up happening is you end up being Amanda in the hospital with a baby on you laying on your couch. Now the couch is the single most dangerous place where you can be sleeping with your baby, and it happens by accident all the fucking time. So, mm-hmm. and, and then when you look at like the data of who that's happening to, it's generally happening to marginalized communities, racialized communities, low-income communities, and communities with less education. So, it, you know, if we can just get the word out about safer options, personally, I'm of the belief that there is is probably a way to do this safely. And with all of that information, I think you're probably going to see just going back to the American Academy of Pediatrics and Canadian Pediatric Association um, softening their guidelines on safe sleeping to include safer co sleeping options. Because if we can say, hey, you sleep in a bed in these certain, certain situations, you're going to lessen the chance that baby's sitting on a couch with a parent. Yes. Bam. Yeah. Lisa, you've done some co-sleeping in your day. What Mm -hmm. did you do to work for you? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, uh, It was, like, it was really survival. I don't – it's not always my first choice. And, like, just like what you're saying, I've been holding the baby in bed and, like, falling asleep and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, my – like what you're saying is everybody has to assess the risk that they're willing to take and both my husband and I are extremely sensitive sleepers and I so much more when I first have a child and when I'm postpartum and um and my husband is extremely sensitive sleeper like he you Mm -hmm. know you you move and he wakes up so Mm -hmm. um that worked in our favor. You have to know yourselves, right? Like in the way that you, you operate and the way that you sleep. And um, so I felt comfortable with him sort of and uh, like in the baby being with us. But it wasn't really like an overnight sleep situation. Like I always had a baby sort of beside me in the crib or a bassinet. Um, mm-hmm. And it would be the 5 a.m. or the 4 a.m. wake-ups, yeah. right, where you just want to extend that morning yes. a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and they just fall asleep so sweetly. And, um, and then that had to end, you know, because of the mm-hmm. obvious thing that happens. So you have the baby with you, mm-hmm. and then they just start to wake up a little earlier, a little earlier, and creeping up, and then the baby is in your bed by yep. 2 a.m., instead of the 5 a.m. and that just so we had to cut that off but again it was just for survival it was those scary moments where I'm sitting in the rocker with her or with one with my one of my sons um and clearly falling asleep and having the chance of dropping the baby right so that is Mm -hmm. that is the scary part that happens and you know it's scared me so much that I yeah that was our scenario but it was reluctant co-sleeping mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. um as much as I loved the idea and the cuddles like it is very scary and it is it always made me uneasy but we had to do it for survival and yeah like we just had to clear out all the blankets and you know like really have nothing around the baby and no pillows and yeah and that was yeah
0: us. and um yeah. And I think that there, you know, when I hear of people, when there's a lot, so because of these risks, because of those, um, there are unsafe ways to co-sleep. If you were sleeping on a super soft mattress with a ton of blankets and pillows, perhaps you're inebriated, perhaps you are a substance, um, user and you don't hear or feel or wake. I mean, um, it, those are all possibilities, right? So it is more risky than not. Before I talk about co-sleeping specifically and some evidence around uh, safe co-sleeping, I also want to mention that there are several products now that allow for the baby to be in your bed right next to you, but with a barrier for you. So you don't roll on them. So we use the Halo um, and And by the way, this is such an argument for... <sighs> assessing each child individually for what their issues are. So like I got the bassinet, being like all babies want to sleep with their parents. I got this $400 bassinet, which was like a lot at the time. And my second daughter was like double middle fingers. I don't care about you. I can sleep wherever. I can sleep however. I don't need to be in bed. And in fact, when I'm in bed with you, that'll make me fussy. So I want more space. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I wish I had this. So, um, there are lots of contraptions nowadays and p- honestly, baby sleep products are coming out at the speed of light. Um, I would, I would take a look at what's out right now. Um, but yeah, Emily, I Oster, it, by the
1: way, I love the best and I think you passed yours mm-hmm. down to
0: me and
1: it, oh, that good. was, that was the solution that we had. Like that was so yep. helpful and just feeling her and hearing her and she's right beside your face and like mm-hmm. there's so many settings to adjust it, right? And it's it's such a great, right? Is it And you can it's buy that thing yeah. that goes
0: in. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the one that yeah, stands it, beside your bed, right? Yeah. That's right. And it like yeah, it, it, and if it you swivels. really want to do that weaning, you can like a little swivel it out and it's honestly yes. it was so great. It's it's, it's a really great. good bassinet. Yeah. I would buy it used if it's out of your budget too, because most people only use it for three or four months. Like it's not something that gets a lot of use. I believe that bassinet has been passed through like four members of my family at this point. Yeah. And it went to Clayton's Cousins. So thank you. <laughs> there you go. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Um. So when we want to talk about safe co-sleeping options, this is like the millionth time I'll recommend Emily Oster's book, Crib Sheet. And the reason why I keep recommending Emily Oster specifically. It's not because I don't have a lot of resources. It's because what Emily does or Professor Oster does in her work is she distills the best evidence. So she's looking at a, a range of studies, a range of evidence, and then she puts the best, most convincing evidence in the book for you to make your decision. So within the book are several sources that you can go and do additional research on. She also starts the book, I've said this before, explaining what a good study is. Now, I had to go back to school to learn this, and this is why when you look at... Um, you know, people throwing out, well, I read this study and I read this study. What I love about crib Sheet is she gives you like a checklist to assess a study. Not all studies are created equally. We need to think about the amount of the sample size, um, who's reporting on it, etc. Anyway, she goes all over that in the book. But there is a chapter in her book called Sleep Position and Location. And so she talks about, you know, sleeping on the back. So we know, and she talks about this in the book, immediately when, you know, in the 80s, you would put babies on their tummy to sleep because babies do sleep really well on their tummy, by the way. But we were doing that. When we did the back to sleep campaign, I believe in the early 90s. So we told parents, put your babies to sleep on their backs. The rate of SIDS and SIDS is a catch all for any unexplained infant death. SIDS and asphyxiation are two different things. Someone will yell at me on the internet about that. I'm aware of that. I'm going to use SIDS interchangeably for all unexplained infant death. But when we had unexplained infant death, the rates dropped so dramatically. I believe I'm going to mess it up anywhere from like 80 to 90%. So early 1990s, I'm going to see. Okay, in the surveys done in 1992, this is two years after the the implementation, the researchers found that around 70% of babies were put to sleep on their stomach. By 1996, this figure was only 20%. Um, I want to get the actual... Number, there's a number in here, and I should have highlighted it. Uh, da, da, da. anyway, it just was like crazy. In okay, with these changes in sleep position, came changes in incidents in SID. SID's rates rose after the stomach sleep recommendation and fell after parents were told to put their child to sleep. Um, Anyway, I think she starts to talk about it. And this, by the way, it doesn't go for or this recommendation isn't appropriate for babies that are rolling on their own. That's not something you can control. We're talking about newborns specifically in this episode. And that's what I'm going to talk about in terms of that evidence. So, um, okay. Then, on if you have the book in front of you, on page one hundred nineteen, Oster goes through Sid's death by behavior because we don't know. Although in the last year or two, they've linked. SIDS to a missing protein, I believe, or that can be easily identified through a genetic test at birth. So I think you're probably going to start to see those tests happen. Um, they're not 100% sure, but that's a new theory. But in terms hmm. of why you get the recommendations you do about room sharing, no co sleeping, da 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 da, they're based on behaviors of the parent. So when you look at, uh, and I'm going to show, The camera here, there's a little chart here. Um, Oster uh, includes a chart on SIDS death rates by behavior. So, when you had a bottle feeding, both uh, smoking, mother drinking, like parent and like both parents smoking and the mother drinking, well, the SIDS rates were extremely high. They are the highest that we see out of those behaviors. Now, obviously, there are probably for thinking about people who are already doing risky behaviors like drinking every day and smoking every day um knowing those health risks there's probably other factors that are impacting their decisions to do that and probably how they parent right so generally that's an argument that comes up i'm not smoking i'm not drinking i'm fine um, the other uh, is breastfeeding, both both smoking and no alcohol. With no alcohol, we see the risk go for from um, uh, like quite like it almost halves the risk simply by breastfeeding. Okay, um, then we see breastfeeding, mother smoking, no alcohol that decreases uh, further. Finally, when we get to breastfeeding, no smoking, no alcohol, and uh, co-sleeping, we see the risk go from not bed sharing from zero point zero eight percent risk to zero point two two risk for those who chose to bed share. So it's double the risk, but it's a marginal risk. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and obviously this tells us there are behaviors associated with co-sleeping that can actually quite limit your risk of dangerous things happening meaning that you're breastfeeding if possible no smoking no alcohol obviously you want to make sure in terms of that asphyxiation risk that there's nothing in the bed that would scare you know be scary um you know uh, making sure that the baby's not swaddled under a blanket like these are all things that you need to think about um when you're doing that. And honestly, if you want to do a really big, deep dive, I really love this chapter in the book because I think it it's very balanced. It's not, she's not trying to convince you in any way to co-sleep or not. And then, so, you know, I did a very vague, 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 high level explanation of like how to do good, like co-sleeping well about, um, you know, risk to co-sleeping. But then I want to answer the question specifically, why is co-sleeping, frowned upon. My guess is that it is, it can be seen as dangerous. And there are, there are dangers. You are increasing your risk of asphyxiation or SIDS by co sleeping. But we also make many different choices within our day that have risk. We put babies in cars, we drive. That's a risk, right? Nothing is a risk free decision. Um, and I think that. The medical community is very anti-co-sleeping, and it's just like me. We have to follow guidelines, and there's liability involved. If I said, don't worry, just co-sleep, and then something bad happens, you could attribute that to my advice, and I couldn't practice anymore. So people are very careful around that. The other thing that gets thrown around, and this is a totally other different topic, whether you're co-sleeping um, or or not, a lot of people shame how people are helping their children get to sleep. So co-sleeping is a way to help your child get to sleep. They like it; it's comfortable. Sometimes a parent really likes it. Like, a, and then people get, you know, people are pissed off when anyone's doing anything that they're not. Honestly, it's like. Like, oh, co sleeping? You're going to do that for your whole life. Like, no, you won't. You don't have to do yeah. that. Uh, what The day you want to change, you can just make that change. No one says can start that. Start making no. changes. Yes. Immediately. Like, Lisa, you have, how old are your kids? You are not co sleeping anymore. You don't have no. to do that anymore. No. And the day no. that you decided you wanted to sleep, Terrain, you were able to turn I it around. You, and I said, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. It, it,
1: and that was the thing is like you know it it did feel good like it did feel nice to have her it did extend our sleep you know it was nice to wake up and see our little baby you know and especially like my third like she was she was very good at, at sleeping mm-hmm. in the bed and like she she wasn't a big mover and she really liked it and yeah but the mm-hmm. day we were we wanted to change it the day that it became noticeably harder and it, and it, it started to stop to serve a purpose for us right which mm-hmm, was to mm-hmm. get a little bit more rest if she's coming yep. into our bed earlier and earlier and earlier then it defeats the purpose so then we had to change totally. things around. and that is all parenting is is like f- yep. figuring it out in the moment and making little shifts and little changes <laughs> and like nothing is ever black and white and nothing is ever solid and decided aside from we want to keep our kids safe and And good. That's
0: it. So if, if the, the question about being frowned upon, look, there are risks associated. Doctors have to say what they have to say. People have to give you the right information. There are risks associated with everything that we do though. So it's really a parental decision. It's not one that I can say you should do. If you do decide to do it, do it well, do it safely. Um, If you know, this is going like, Uh, people say, you know, my mother-in-law says I shouldn't cuddle the baby to sleep. I'll be doing that forever. If you want to, you will be. But if you don't want to, you can change that. And so don't let other people's judgments about how you sleep impact anything. Like you should just do what brings everyone the most rest. You should just do anything that makes you show up better for your family. That's the end of that story. And if someone says that to you, I'm going to give you a line that you can say, well, actually, I really enjoy co-sleeping right now and we're getting a lot of sleep and we're doing it safely. And if I decide to change that later on, there's no evidence to suggest that if I want to make this change and institute some behavioral changes, I can't. So thank you for your input. Go fuck yourself no don't go say off. that last part uh, yeah but yeah go away no don't say that because then and-
1: drink instead <laughs> like That'd you did much more, much more helpful
0: the day I gave yeah. birth to Winnie um two days after <laughs> I should say Lisa came and she's like I brought you some sangria I've perfected my sangria I was like sweet I can't wait I drank one glass and I didn't move from my couch so, thank you, <laughs> Lisa. That is what you should do. <laughs> yeah. Actually, over okay. When you have a baby, I want to. Yeah. She's like, here's my uh, speed dial. It, okay, Lisa, this is actually what we need to do. When someone judges how you're sleeping, you can just say, where's my drink? Just say that. <laughs> where's my drink? I see yeah. a lot of this and I don't see yeah. a lot of this. A lot, a lot Maybe of it's this. on alcohol. <laughs> yeah bring me a coffee bring me a tea, bring bring tea. Me a tea. Yeah, yeah. whatever you need I need it's a lot of this or like where's my snack yeah. bring me my yes. snack yeah you're like you know what would be actually be helpful is bring <laughs> yes. me a meal 100 <laughs> because this is yeah. not helpful nor is it accurate no. Cool. Well, we've hit 27 minutes. That's our crap nap time. Thank you for joining us on the Slumber Party Podcast. You can find more information on my Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at BabiesBestSleep pretty easy b-a-b-y-s um you can go check out the blog you can book a discovery call we work worldwide with families we've worked on every continent which is pretty cool except the continent where people like don't live but any continent where there is a person we have worked there um and we really want to help so come and find us have a good one lisa <laughs> thanks <laughs>